Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Luge Rugby Podcast. My name is Dan Murphy, and with me always is Derek Brissett, Stu Hardy. Gentlemen, how are you guys doing? It's been, you know, we didn't get any Six Nations this weekend, but I mean, the Scotties Tournament of Hearts was this weekend. I don't know if you guys caught any of that. Some fantastic yeah. curling. What, um, no. since I didn't watch it, why don't you uh, recap me real quick? What did I miss? Basically, the the two teams that are in the finals, uh, Manitoba's Carrie Anderson, um, who is Team Canada this year, and Rachel Holman from Ontario, are the best. Like they 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 were in the final last year for a reason, and they're kind of kicking butt right now. And you can really tell that um, people are uh, affected by the layoff. A lot of missed shots, a lot. Like uh, it'll be really interesting to see the stats of like of all the teams after this tournament and compare it to other years, because it seems like there's a lot of missed shots this year, just because like they may, might've had like, Rust, right? like one tournament. Yeah. One tournament and, like before, like October, around October, November, and then everything shut down. Yeah. Like you haven't been able to curl at all anywhere. The only place place that's the only, there was one team in the whole field that was able to have a full season. That was PEI. Oh, true. Guys, that makes sense. Yeah. Not. That's got to be a so, like that's got to be a hard sport to practice on your own too. Like it's not like like if you're a basketball player, it's, it's, you can buy a net and then like put up some shots in your driveway or something. Yeah, right. Or like if you're a well, if the, it's player, really hard to like throw some passes or do, you could go to an open field and practice some kicking. Like you can do something, but like mm-hmm. like no, no one's got a. It's not like people don't have like how big's a curling rink? Like what? like a hundred foot sheet. Like it's yeah, it's, 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 it's big. Like, like I, they, they had a story about how the Quebec skip, uh, her, her dad flooded their, um, pool just so she could practice her sliding. Like she couldn't throw rocks, but she could practice her sliding, sliding going down the, the, yeah. And they had like little kid rocks like that are like half the weight. So she could balance on something and practice. So, yeah, no, it, it's crazy. It's um, when's when's the uh, like normally? Uh, it'll be this Sunday. This Sunday. All right. So this podcast will be out before Sunday. So this is yeah. all eyes on you. Your Scotty's Tournament of Hearts prediction for the final. Ooh, I I think I said I think it's going to be Ontario and and Canada again. That there are there are a couple of teams that are. Oh. See, the tricky thing is Ontario's skip, Rachel Holman, is like eight months pregnant. And like, she's still playing really well. But like, as someone who's like dealt with a eight month old or eight month pregnant wife, like I know how exhausted you can get. So I don't, I don't want to bet against Rachel Holman because she's an amazing curler, but that's got to, the fatigue of, of the tournament after not playing any and also being eight months pregnant, it's got to weigh you down at some point. So I think I'm going to say Carrie Anderson's going to go back to back and win the Scotties this year. Just because Rachel Holman's pregnant. That's the only reason. Well, they do with nothing other than the fact that she's also Carrie Anderson's also undefeated and like rolling through the competition. Okay. Just a reminder to our casual listeners and viewers, you are listening and watching the Rouge Rugby 
podcast. Yeah, I was gonna say, can can, also, can we we gotta ch- start this shift this conversation over to something that means Stu can understand? Ugh, I fine. I tried, I did my best. Fine. I gave you, I gave you some questions. I appreciate that, Derek. I, You're I, a I good sport. My, I tried my best there. Just, Stu, yeah. I'll have you know that uh, that the UK has uh, one of the better international teams. So you maybe need to just do your research about oh, no, your I cultural know. heritage. I know, I know this. <laughs> I, I watch the Winter Olympics as well. <laughs> Stu's like I, I watch my obligatory curling match once every four yeah, years. Yeah, every four years. Good yeah, for you. Exactly. Uh, okay, guys. So let's get into the, actually what we are supposed to talk about, and that's rugby. And we're going to talk about a little bit of uh, somber news, and it is that Dan Carter officially retires from professional rugby. There were kind of some whispers in the cosmos that he was going to join an MLR team, but this has been two years in a row where that hasn't happened. And he officially puts the dagger in the heart of MLR fans. Um, He is retiring. Now I want to say that he's the goat, but I think that rugby is a hard sport to kind of say that with how important so many different positions are. Um, But I don't know about you guys. I, again, I started rugby late. So when I learned about Dan Carter, he was the old dude. So I didn't really know, like, until I really started following rugby even more, uh, how how impressive he was. So, yeah. how, you know, what is his impact really on the sport or even just like in, in your fandom? I would say that if you have to see only one game that has Dan Carter in it, it has to be the second Lions test of the 2005 tour to New Zealand where he just decided to switch to God mode and <laughs> played the greatest game. It will go down in history as one of the finest All Blacks games ever and one of the finest All Blacks performances ever. Um, one of the finest athletic performances ever. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like so, not even rugby specific. And um, I have to admit, when he was in the squad for the 2015 Rugby World Cup, even at the time, I was going like, "Do we? should we have him? And then, of course, I remembered in 2011, he got injured, so he wasn't in the 2011 final. I will say he had a few off days, to put it nicely, uh, in 2015, but I also knew that he would be retiring after the tournament. He'd declared that before. And then, you know, now that your international duty is um, done and dusted and you can go out on your terms, he went off to France and then later Japan. And then eventually he did come back to New Zealand. He was scheduled to uh, play with the Blues in Auckland, although he never actually did make an on-field appearance for them. Um, and yeah, you, you know, we've heard the rumours of like, oh, it's Dan Carter going to join uh, Rugby United in New York or is he off to join LA? Uh, the most recent rumour was that he wanted to play in MLR for a season but be back in... New Zealand in time for his wife's birth and it's just like the dates and times didn't really align up for me so I was always dubious about that claim and it was hilarious last year when after the rumors first emerged he got on Twitter and immediately shot those down as well it's um I've I've been fortunate enough to see the All Blacks play but I unfortunately didn't get to see Dan Carter play. This was in the 2015 game in the World Cup against Namibia. But he was the water boy for that <laughs> game. He was um, helping, you know, put the cones down for the warm-ups and things like that in 
uh, what I would later discover was a winter jacket, one of those like duffel coats that you know go down to your shins and staying warm all the time through that, even though it was summer in the UK, but you know, different shrugs. And you know, it's it's been an absolute privilege to be able to see him play on the international stage and in like European competition as well. I think the rugby world is forever grateful for what Dan Carter has done. And there are a lot of players who are playing now who owe their interest to Dan Carter. So I know Dan's obviously a big fan of the show. So if he's <laughs> listening or watching. I've seen you, the New Dan. Zealand numbers. I know it's I know it's you, Dan. <laughs> not not even just players that owe a lot of their interest in rugby to Dan Carter, fans as well. Um I know, like, because I joined my high school rugby team, where it would have been in like the like February or so of 2007. Um, so it's like, and I remember like when we were kind of learning the game. One of the things that we would do, like, kind of like what Luke Campbell said, he got in trouble for a couple of weeks ago on the podcast or whatever. It's like guys on our team would go to like the library on free periods or not free periods, and. Um, watch like rugby highlights and like the go-to team that we always watched was the all blacks. And that was Carter's rise. And I was still like, there was a video uh, on YouTube of that 33 point performance against the lions, which was just like, so like for me, I know uh, Dan, you were kind of commenting on how like you're a bit of a more recent rugby fan. Um, but it was like, for me, it was like my first kind of like impressions of rugby and like my first, like, introduction to it was through like dan the dan carter era all blacks and um yeah dan i mean to me he's he's the goat too honestly i think and i mean i'm maybe i'm showing the fact that uh, i'm a bit of an all blacks fan here if canada if canada's not in the game i definitely lean all blacks as far as an international rooting interest but yeah like i think like him mccall lomu like i feel like those those are a lot of the guys that you kind of talk about as far as like the greatest, or at least like my three favorite players. Um, and favorite is a subjective term. So people can't argue with me about favorite players. They're my favorite players. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, but yeah, like, I think like you look at what he's done. Like, I mean, if you, if you want like numbers to back up the fact that he's the goat too, like he's got 1598 international test points, which is the most all time. It's over 300 more than Johnny Wilkinson, who's in second. Um, so, like, Dan Carter is a full, like, you'd be pretty proud of scoring 300 international test points. Um, so he's, like, a full, like, decent – he's a full, like, decent career ahead of the guy in second, I guess. Um, maybe not a Hall of Fame career or anything, but you'd be proud of that. Um, he also has the most points in the history of Super Rugby, again, by a ridiculous margin, too. Um He's basically, you know, I think when you look back, Stu, you kind of mentioned that 2015 World Cup and I was like, it's coming like, you know, the, the battles that he had with the injuries and obviously a little bit of that drive having missed the final in 2011. And, you know, he, he comes out, he gets the man of the match performance in the World Cup final, hits a drop goal. Like it's, you know, it was an, un, it's a kind of an unreal way to bow out. Like it's a legendary, like this, you know, way to go out as far as your international test career is. And, you know, 
And like, he's won everything that you could possibly win. He's got multiple super rugby championships, multiple top 14 titles. When he went to Japan, he won the Japan top league. If he did come to MLR, he would have won that too. Um, it's, uh, you know, those rumors were fun. It's a matter I, of time. But yeah, I think, you know, he, he, he really is probably one of the best players of all time. And I know I'd be curious to hear, yeah, like send us a message at LaRouge Rugby or like at Percept the Jet on Twitter, Instagram, wherever. Um, if you don't think Dan Carter is the GOAT, who do you think it is? Um, and I guess I would love to hear it. I'd love to hear the argument and stuff. Um, but yeah, absolutely unreal career. The Players Tribune article that he wrote was lovely too. Um, you know, kind of talking about like when he first realized that like fans were stopping him in the streets to just talk about a yeah. game and how much he loved that. And just the fact that it was like from the beginning, I was just, just a fan that ended up, I guess he started off as just a fan that ended up becoming the reason why like millions of other people became fans of this great sport too. You know, it's it, the cultural impact of Dan Carter um, goes to show like players tribunes are normally, you know, it's normally a big deal. Normally yeah. only some of the best athletes write for that uh, or they're ghost writers, depending on who you say wrote it. But I mean, it, it shows the, how, how big of an impact he had on the sports that, that, he had that opportunity to write right there. So it's a huge impact. But I think, I think that's one of those things too, like with him is like, he's probably like, you know, people sometimes talk about it. Like if rugby has like a true, like global icon and like, maybe there hasn't quite been one since Lomu. Cause I feel like Lomu, de I feel like personally Lomu definitely hit that mark. Yeah. But like Carter is probably the most recognizable rugby player in the world. And, um, I think like anywhere that he went, it would have been, it would be a big splash. And it's, it's why you get like the players tribune is like, that's a North American, American sports media outlet. And they're like, yep. And Dan Carter's writing his kind of farewell letter to them in that, in that space. Right. So it's like, he, I mean, I think that like that, that is also something that kind of puts them a little bit over the top is it's, you know, just that, that extra mile, like all like his sponsorships and things like that being like, you know, an Adidas branded athlete and, you know, all the, like the, um, trying to blanking on it now, but it's like, he's got like those sponsorships, with like the watch companies and stuff like that too. Right. And, you know, a bunch of other, like, you know, internationally well-known brands, right. That kind of just increases his like exposure to the game. Like he, you know, hangs out at major international events and stuff. And it's always for like, sure yeah, this is the best rugby player in the world. That's why he's here. And that's, you know, it's, uh, see, so yeah, is, is he's slowly turning into that. Like they've yeah. done rock nation has done a really good job of getting his face into places. And, yeah, and rock nation, they're doing that a little bit with a toe too, which is yeah, you know, it's good to see as well. It's all, it's all great stuff. Now guys, if it was a big, if, if he, he wanted to go for a swan song, one final season in MLR, which team would you have linked to see him? Uh, would you have liked to see him play in you know, besides the arrows? I mean, I, arrows is the arrows is the obvious answer. Yeah, exactly. so we're we're, gonna, we're taking them out of the equation. It has to be we, an American. We already team. have a Kiwi fly. Oh, so we're yeah, fine. We don't, we don't need another one. That, we're okay. Exactly. Oh Taylor, boy, I'd rather have Taylor Adams. Let's be honest. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, okay. If if Dan Carter were to hypothetically play played a season in Major League Rugby, um, I would not care who he played for. It would have uh, just been like, what yeah, a cop out answer. Yeah, it, it, 
it is it is it would have just been like man that would have just been cool to see him in the league whether it's the guiltinis the legion um rooney free jacks arrows nola austin i wouldn't have utah it would have they would have been the most popular team in the league that year like because all right Stu, i want an actual answer who would you want him to play with um, I would like him to play in the Western Conference, so that <laughs> so, so playing, the arrows so if, avoid him. <laughs> so they'd only play him once, um, and well, they'd I have think, to play him twice because Dan Carter's team's going to the final, right? So yeah, possibly, yeah. Um, but I would like to have like, a bit of an in-team battle. I think the um, Tasman rivalry between an Australian for the starting position would be great. So I think he will be up against Sam Windsor with the Houston Sabercats. I I feel like Dan Carter wins that battle, but I mean, yeah. But, <laughs> uh, but if we're being hypothetical, yeah, it's very hypothetical. If he did, yeah. I just to me, I'm just like I remember being in Vegas for the MLR Vegas weekend, and after the Euros played Houston, San Diego played Colorado, and it was just like kind of like in the press box but also just kind of like i'm like thinking like i'm like sending tweets or like recording notes but i realized like 20 minutes into the game i was just like staring at nanu just being like because i'm like yeah it's Nanu. <laughs> like why would you and it'll be the same thing too man like i'm i'm stoked like like i'm i can't wait for fans to be allowed and i hope like like i'm just like i hope in 2021 san diego has a game in toronto because i want to see rob shot like uh-huh. like that'd be cool live so i mean like any any opportunity to see Dan Carter live, I would have happily taken because um, Nanu was unreal live. That was so cool to see. Um, but yeah, so I'm just like, if he was in the league, that would have been cool. Although, to be honest, I like, I don't think, I don't know if I even, I necessarily would have like wanted to see that or whatever, especially if it was like, if he's got the injury issues and stuff and it's like, it's one of those things that's like even like the last super rugby season when he was like like you know basically there but didn't really get to yeah, play the, at all. Basically the blues water boy or whatever. But I was also just like man, watching that and being like watching like because even that, like I kind of talked a lot about the all blacks and stuff, is like the Crusaders were one of like the first like club teams that I was like even interested in. And yeah, I'm probably bandwagon jumping on you that. Sure for all the bad guys. It's yeah, like Saracens, yeah. all blacks. Yeah, you know what's because they were good when I started watching rugby. Um, but I was just like, yeah, because they were good when I started watching rugby. I was a Leafs fan from like in like that era. I needed something to balance out the 08 Toronto. Meet. Balance out the suck. Yeah, I needed something to balance out like the 07 to 2012 Maple Leafs. Um, but it was uh, but yeah, so it was like, and then like I was like watching those super rugby games, like, man, it is so weird seeing Dan Carter in blue stuff. Like it's weird. Mm. It's like, so yeah, right. Yeah. Again, new, new, new. It's weird. Rugby fans, so it didn't bother me. Um, it was like when yeah. it'd be okay, Dan. It'd be like when Martin Prodeur played those four minutes for the St. Louis Blues. Oh yeah, weird. No, I I see what you're saying. Um, my answer is uh, I'm going for maximum chaos. At first, I I almost agreed with Stu and I wanted Carter in the West Coast, but uh, no, I wanted him playing for Nola Gold. Just absolute maximum chaos with the back line that they have there. It would have been just so much fun to see. All right, gentlemen, we're going to move on now because uh, the Toronto Arrows have been uh, busy bees uh, today. And and one of the thank you for uh, like releasing this before we recorded the podcast. Yeah, we appreciate Brock. 
Thank Rock, you. thank you, sir. Thank you. Or, um, or anybody or, else that made that decision, but thank yeah. you, the whole organization, before the podcast this time. Uh, and actually, I believe it actually has to do a little bit with Derek's hat. If I if I see I Avro enough, it's the reason yeah. I put on the hat today. I, I knew it was. Um, the uh, the Toronto Arrows have announced uh, or released their new logo for their senior academy team. Um, gentlemen, quick thoughts. How do you feel about it? I think it looks fantastic. You know, it's they, they keep on pumping out all this fantastic content, and it's just like. All right, let's put these let's put these on some jerseys and let's have some yes. guys hit each other. Let's let's get into it. Let's let's go. Like, oh, it, it's it's so great to see that they're they're putting the, the effort into the branding for these. So so people are gonna be excited about it. But at the same time, I'm like, I just want to see it on people. I want to see some rugby. <laughs> yeah. Um, this logo's just fire, man. I love it. It's I I'm debating whether or not I like it more than the arrows actual logo. Um, yeah, I honestly I, thought about that as well. Like it's, it's it's good, man. And like the um the post that like the image that they have like on like the um what do you call it like the press release that they sent out on the mm-hmm. website where it's like the the gold white and blue and it's like kind of the three versions of it I guess depending on what color the background is going to be that they're using the logo under. Mm-hmm. Dude, the color scheme is amazing like it almost makes me want to like i know like the they put the numbers are going to be in like, like ontario arrows kind of throwback gold and i'm kind of like looking at this i'm like maybe they should kind of work in that yellow gold maybe a little bit more in some of their other stuff too because it looks amazing um i i love the idea of putting the senior academy kind of leaning into the fact that you're you know that they are named after um the avro arrow the uh, legendary aircraft and you know, it is a super cool, it's a super unique name. And I, I mean, I know like, you know, it's awesome to see like guys like Dan Moore when they score a try do like the bow and arrow celebrations and stuff, because obviously like your team's called the arrows. So like that works, but it's like, it's really cool kind of seeing, because I think like, it's really cool seeing them lean into the fact that they're named after an airplane, I think. Yeah. And it's like, it looks amazing. Like I, there's, it's like I'll buy. I want to buy like a ball yeah. cap or a sweater. Dude, that was that something. Was my with first thought when I saw this was just like the moment they slap this on merch, like my wallet will be empty. Yeah, like yeah. It, it looks amazing. Like I mean, I'm wearing like I mean a little bit of like a tiny bit of an airplane nerd here. So I'm like I'm wearing like an Avro <laughs> aircraft hat for anybody listening with the actual the old school like the proper Avro Aero company logo. Um, Although to be honest with you, now that I'm I'm looking at it next to the Junior Academy, it looks very Pokemon Go-ish. Like there's a blue one, there's like a like a predominantly yellow one. Like they need to release a Canada Day Canada Day logo for red, and the whole set will com- be complete. Well, I mean, you can you can like you can kind of recolor that though. I thought they're uh, like the Junior Academy logo too. Like the arrows kind of making the trillium and stuff. I mm-hmm. think like, they're doing a great job kind of working in like the various different themes that kind of make up the organization. Um, and like on the original Ontario arrows logo, they had like the Avro arrow flying like across the CN tower, um, which I thought was really cool um, when they had that. And, you know, I love the the interlocking TA logo, but like, I kind of reminds me of the Freemasons, which is kind of like, I, I I honestly I would be happy if they if they move closer to what what they're what they've shown. Yeah, I, I, I love it. 
like it's like I, I do I do like the interlocking TA. I love that. I think that looks great on a hat too. Um, that's part of what makes it a good logo, right? It's got to look good on merch. It's got to look good for your social media icons and stuff like that. Like that's just part of what you need to make a good logo. But I think even like they kind of did like the Delta wing uh, look really good, but even have kind of like the nose of the plane kind of transitioning into like an arrow, like pointing up and stuff too. Like it's a nice touch, man. You're it starting like, to see that what well, you mentioned, the, the, the aircraft nerds to seep out little by little. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Dude, it looks good, man. I I love it. I'm Stu, yeah. are you as fired up as we are about this? Because we I, are I think I think it's the logo that the US Space Force wishes it had commissioned because no no that's Canada's it, way cooler Canada's way no cooler. as in in the sense of it's it's so good it just works really well the only downside is it's because they have the image now of the junior academy the senior academy and then the team logo the team logo just looks out of place compared to the other two yeah yeah it's really, not to say it's a bad logo it's just no, i get doesn't mesh together yeah because it like, may be a case of in you know for the fifth season of the arrows or whatever down the line i get what they you change it so it's more in place to have like they a toronto arrows logo that's closer to the academy logos than the current one um are, are you just kind of sorry, Stu? Are you just? I think I get what you're saying. You're just kind of sick because, like, stylistically, like the two yeah. Academy logos look pretty similar or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's it's just because it's a different style, and it may be a case of you know for uh, brand awareness and brand recognition, it may be that the Toronto Arrows logo changes to more match the logo that we have it could I be I a mixture of blue, I, I like white, and gold. No, I, I, I. If, if again, if I, if it's similar to what they've put out with the other two logos, I I would love to see something new put put together for the this the senior team. Um, like but also in the release, guys, there was a little additional information. They've actually added another center for academy athletes. Um, traditionally there was just going to be a west and east, but they've actually added a central. Uh, for Whitby, uh, the new Whitby hub has been added to the roster of returning training locations as a means of safely managing cohort sizes. Again, we are still living in a COVID world. We're going to be living in a COVID world for most of 2021, it looks like, especially in Ontario. So uh, the three the three hubs give the Arrows the ability to spread out their academy athletes and uh, have smaller groups, which means they're able to do a little bit more because of um, safety protocol. So fantastic work by the Arrows. I would imagine it's probably a little bit easier for – travel to for some players and stuff. for sure yeah well, if, you're in toronto, our, uh, if you're in toronto if you're in toronto i would rather travel to to whippy yeah. than than uh Kitchener. Yeah, like guelph and kingston are pretty far apart as well it's a little bit of convenience in there but yeah no great to see and also widening the player pool too um so yeah. that's also great to see yeah. probably also widening the player pool also probably helps um with adding the third location and stuff too right mm -hmm. um they're also very busy uh, with another announcement today. Um, the club has partnered with Match Day Info to deliver 2021 uh, digital Match Day programs, which, again, we don't know when the Arrows are going to be coming back to Canada, at least in this season. So um, to me, this seems like this is just a fantastic little uh, bit of 
fan appreciation that they they've put the their money where their mouths are and 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 added just a little bit of um you know interactive match day guide is what they're calling it um Stu, is this just kind of another way to just kind of ease the pain of 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 possibly not having any home games this year i mean we're all hoping that towards the end of the season and when it comes to the playoffs hopefully toronto will be able to actually play in toronto again but at least for the first half of the season or maybe even three quarters of the season it's looking like we're going to have the team based in atlanta anyway so having these programs be released does keep that fan involvement going on and you can use them on like desktop devices handheld devices as well mm-hmm. uh mdi seem to have a grip on things already so they seem to be coming from a place of experience with uh match day programs already best of all it's free of charge so you're not paying extra to find out what's happening with your team and so on and so forth like that so i think it's a great thing to have just to keep us all involved yeah i mean i i like it too obviously covid not being able to have fans is already a challenge not being able to also play home games because you gotta we're you know one of the the only canadian team in the league so you gotta cross a border to make that happen so you know, much like the Raptors and the Jays, you have to play south of the border. And I think, I mean, I think it's it's a great way to keep, like, I can't wait to uh, see what the content itself looks like. Um, like what they, what they do, like, as far as like, you know, maybe player interviews or anything that can be incorporated into an interactive match day program. Um, so I'm excited to see what the first one's going to look like. Um, I do like that, like you kind of said, Stu, like match day info, like, you know, it's like they've, they've been doing this for a while and stuff. And I did kind of like look it up. So they're like, they're, you know, a UK based company or whatever. The arrows are as from the press release. The arrows are their first North American based client. But, um, you know, it's like they, by doing that, though, it's like they have experience with like with rugby teams too, like the London Irish and then the Bedford Blues are their clients. You can shift over to league and they have the Sheffield Eagles and the London Broncos listed as some of their clients as well. Um, so it's like, it's a company that's, you know, familiar with both codes of rugby. So that could also, you know, go a long way when like the people that are designing the program or designing the app have an understanding of rugby too. Um, you hope, hopefully we'll uh, get to see some pretty awesome content. Um, I do think it's great because I think like one of the biggest things that's going to have to happen for the Toronto Arrows this year is finding unique ways to keep fans engaged um, and not so much in not so much engaged as is like because I mean like fans is like the, especially the diehard fans are still going to watch the games and stuff but it's like how do you like keeping them engaged you know if the game's on Saturday keeping them engaged from Sunday to Friday too right with like you know whether it's you know videos from practice or you know, interviews with the players, things like that, right? Or just like general updates on like what's happening with the team that week. Um, probably have to do like some fun stuff of like just maybe the guys like hanging out or whatever. If you follow any of guys on the team on Twitter, it's or on Instagram or Twitter, it's like there's some pretty entertaining personalities on the team. So you probably got to find some things that can um, let the, let those personalities shine and you know, keep the fans engaged. So I'm stoked for this. Um, and uh, I can't wait to see what the first one looks like. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I think that we've seen those personality shine, especially with some of their uh, later content that they've been putting out online. Um, 
Another uh, digital uh, partnership that has been agreed with with at least uh, the whole league in MLR is MLR has teamed up with uh, PT Sports Suite. Um, PT Sports Suite will look work closely with MLR's technical teams to configure and deploy branded digital platforms across digital asset management, media collection, collaboration, and MLR app, uh, web and app-based fan engagement, and augmented reality technology. Um, and I think the best comparable I can make is um, the British and Irish Lions, uh, I believe, have contracted this this company. And I actually have the app on my phone. It's it's a pretty good app. I mean, every so often after every Six Nations round, I'm selecting my British and Irish Lions uh, 15 uh, on the app. And, you know, it's got a, a connection to the store, the fixtures. Um, they have, like, interviews from former lions about their tours and stuff like that so i mean what does this deal mean like for the fans i think that it's another another piece that mlr is developing to you know uh, grow the the company i mean every every sports league has an app that has everything you need whether they're good or not nhl i'm looking at you that's uh, <laughs> completely different uh but it is I, I think and i'd like to hear you guys opinion that it's a good good step for the league yeah, I completely agree with you. I think it's kind of interesting. I'm trying to remember the timing because um, I know Doug Wilkie posted in the Arrows Up fan page. He was talking about like what apps people use to like get like their their rugby scores and everything. And you know, part of that discussion was like Tribe was one of the few apps that has Major League Rugby scores and updates on it. Mm -hmm. um, and like you know, as far as like the big North American ones, like um sportsnet tsn um those are the canadian ones so those are the ones that i use but i mean like espn or nbc so like sports apps and stuff as well like um you know it's like they, they don't as far as i well as far as i know so if espn or nbc's has rugby on it i'm not too sure because i don't use it i go with uh sportsnet and tsn for most of my sports news um but um like th those don't have rugby on it so it's like if you want those kind of scores and those updates, you need to have something else on it. But I think that's part of what major league rugby also kind of needs to do. Right. Is, you know, again, there's no fans or there's few, very few fans. Some teams are going to be allowed to have limited numbers or whatever their state by state rules are. Um, but it's like, if, if that's the case, you have to find new ways to engage the fans. And I think like you said, Dan, almost every, every sports league has an app. It's something that I think, I think you do need. Um, and I hope like, yeah, hopefully it'll like open up the doors to a little bit more like, you know, fan engagement and some marketing potential. Part of the press release was George Killebrew mentioning that, you know, there's opportunities to maximize revenue and provide more value to sponsors through the app. Um, so like the, the business, the business potential of it is also great. Um, I think it is something that, I mean, I think it is something that the league definitely needs. Like, I mean, even looking into the future, let's just say we get past COVID and stuff, people spend a ton of time on their phones, man. Like, so yeah. like you need to make that like accessible, right? So it's like, you got to find a way to be on people's phones. So create that app. And you know what, who knows? It's like, if you create that app, um, it goes well, people download it, the major league road, like you said, um, Dan, you have the British and Irish Lions app. Yeah. Right, right. You like it though, right? Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's, so like hopefully. Well, we can't see because I'm like you can't screen, see. But... It. Gonna... <laughs> it's oh, there. I promise. Ladies and I'm gentlemen. gonna make a digital lion. Yeah. I don't know also, what that half means. The, 
half the people listening to to this are uh, audio only too so holding your phone up doesn't oh yeah only helps only i helps. forgot that we started this as a podcast and not yeah. uh youtube yeah um but uh it's like if it, if it's good then hopefully it's like a lot of people will download it the fans like it the fans interact with it and then maybe like major league rugby can be like you know use that to like go to people like tsn um probably tsn like let's say i'll use tsn because the arrows games are on tsn so maybe you can like go to tsn and be like look how many people are like downloading our app or whatever like this is something like north american there's a lot of north american rugby fans or whatever it's like you guys would probably do well to put rugby and specifically major league rugby on your app especially from the point of view of tsn anyways it's like they had arrows the arrows games last year i think we're still still officially waiting on any word for um broadcast this year but um you know if you're if they're willing to to show rugby on tv then like put it on your app and even maybe Sportsnet too. Sportsnet shows the Premiership, right? So like, you know, it's like maybe maybe they could benefit from like putting actual like rugby scores and stuff up on their app too, because they do have a little bit of an interest in rugby because they they. Oh yeah, like if you go to TSN's website and you go to the rugby tab, it's still like it's World Cup stuff and then like Wolfpack stuff. Like it's there's there's really isn't a lot of MLR stuff. So obviously, even even though they show the games, there's still room to grow. Yeah. There's a couple arrow stories here and there, but like, you know, yeah, T- TSM puts up arrow stories um, every now and then. At, um, so which which is great, but it's like it'd be cool. Like you got to get. I think like you kind of like if you go to Sportsnet's website. Let's even moving off apps, just websites in general. It's like it, it would probably do a lot for rugby if there would be like if someone could find a way to convince like a major sports outlet. Like, mm-hmm. I'll say Sportsnet or TSN to be like put like a rugby tab at the top bar, like so it's like it'll be like hockey, football, baseball, basketball, soccer, rugby, or or whatever other other sports, auto racing or whatever else is on the top of Sportsnet's tab. Um, like that would be that would probably help go a long way. But in order to do that, though, you kind of you got to start by showing that there's an audience for that too. Right. Yeah, so, first steps. Yeah, exactly. So make, make it, so, you know, when we were talking, when Doug Wilkie started that conversation, people were kind of mentioning, you know, all the various different apps that they use. And, you know, sometimes people are fans of different sports and you need various different apps to make sure you keep up with, you know, all the sports that you like, especially if something you like something like a, a more niche sport, like rugby or like Aussie rules, football or cricket or something like that. You might need a couple apps to make sure you, can keep up with everything um so like yeah if like if you're major league rugby it, it could be it's probably very beneficial to kind of take it into your own hands and like uh Killebrew said the added benefit is you know marketing or sponsorship extra revenue opportunities um sponsors could be happy you could put ads from like i don't know like a rugby shop ad or something on your, on sure. your app when you open it right um and uh and yeah and like you said dan they they like they work with like the British and Irish lions develop their app too. Right. So again, kind of going back to what I was talking about with uh, uh, the match day info with the arrows, it's good to see. It's like they went out and got a company that understands rugby too. And they know what, you know, kind of get that market um, and being like, and it's not even just rugby too. It's like, they picked like one of the most, pres- they, it's one of the most like prestigious teams in the world. Right. And uh, one of their other clients is also just flat out the Guinness Six Nations too. So it's like they do the Six Nations app, the Six Nations and and the British and Irish Lions, right? Two of the most iconic brands in rugby 
and also the Bristol Bears, which maybe less than two iconic brands, but still super cool. Yeah, if you follow their their social, they're pretty. They've got a pretty strong social game. Yeah, yeah. Bristol Bears are great, man. They're a lot of fun on social media too, and like, and it's like their website and stuff looks really cool too. Like, so um, I think it's great for the league. I, again, similar to what my thoughts are on the match day match day info stuff was wow. just like, I can't wait to see it. Like, I want to see it. Um, I'm excited that they're doing this. I think it's like a step that the league definitely needs to take. Um, and like, I'm excited to see what it, what it ends up looking like. Steve, any thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I agree. Digital innovation is great for any sport, never mind just rugby. And I also have the British and Irish Alliance app on my phone as well. So Dan, I know exactly what you're talking about. If there had to be one app that I say that MLR should try and emulate, it would possibly be the Sudamerica Rugby app. Now, last year, uh, South America had the South American Four Nations, and that tournament was broadcast exclusively through the app. Yes, it was all in Spanish, but I think that could be a good avenue to go down, if, especially when it comes to like international broadcasting rights. Um, for the past few years, it's been on Facebook, if you want to watch it overseas. And it may be a case of, for the international fans, to say, look, if you download this app, you'll be able to watch your favorite MLR team here. And then for international and domestic fans in the United States and Canada, they'd be like, okay, not so US and Canada, you won't get the live games because the rights are to TSN and... Um, ESPN and CBS Sports and all that, but you'll still get access to live scores, articles, player interviews, all those kind of things. That that would just be that's just my suggestion. But even just getting something similar to the British and Irish Lions app, I think would be amazing. Yeah, I think my only concern with doing things like that is I think like even with the Suit America app and stuff, is it's like that makes it harder for casual fans to stumble across it. Like if that's the only place, and I know, and I, I understand so that you were saying like it's like yeah, like the Arrows game would be on TSN or whatever, um, and then like everybody else would have like their local one, so it wouldn't necessarily be that. Like you would still watch it on that, but I think like for casual fans and stuff, I think the game needs to be on something that you can like stumble across or whatever. So platforms like YouTube and like Facebook and stuff, I think are like you you need. I just don't think it's like if you want the casual fan, you can't make them have to go out of their way to find the game. I, I agree with you, Derek. Um, but I don't think that I think we're ignoring the place. If if we want that, then it should be on Twitch. Hmm. Yeah. Tw- like like who's going through but who's going through Facebook just going, all right, well, let's look like the way that like well, the people- Facebook video is set up, unless you unless you subscribe to them or a friend tells you about it. Like that, that's like, I think it needs to be accessible. And as, Wait, as unless you're a rugby fan and downloading the MLR app, you're not going to like know about the games unless a buddy tells you download the app. But Twitch, if you just look up rugby on Twitch, it'll show you that stream. It's a little harder to get it through Facebook. YouTube would be very similar. Like YouTube, you it, to me, it would be either YouTube or Twitch. I think ultimately like the most important thing is that it's, you still have to keep it whether you have to accessible. keep it on something yeah accessible where especially where it'd be like even if it's on something that you have to pay for something mm-hmm. that like non-rugby fans would be paying for anyways like something that you like 
like is even Facebook and stuff. It's like if you have a friend that's interested in rugby, maybe that friend one day is just like, oh, Houston's playing Austin. Here's the video. Share it. And maybe sure. and now it pops up in your newsfeed. Right. So it's like you, you do need that. I'd, I'm not like I think putting the games on the app would be a good idea. That's like a lot of leagues do that. It's just going to be like, supplemented by. Yeah, exactly. But it's like I, like, I don't think it should be. So it's like, I agree with Stu in that sense that the game should be on the app. If it's, if it's a thing that's feasible, or of, of course, like I'm not saying that's like a deal breaker or anything for me, but it's like, if, if you're able to, if you want to do that, that's cool. But it's like, there needs to be like, it can't be only on the app. For there's sure. gotta be, there's gotta be options and stuff. The that's only fun. issue I'd have with Twitch is that if, the crowd is playing of like the stadium's playing any music as Metallica found out the hard way this week mm. is that it they'll immediately cover it with you know royalty free music and that's why that's why I say the app should only have um, the rights for like internet or like non North American broadcasting because I believe for the casual viewer the most accessible form is still television and therefore the casual fan in um, Canada and North America should be able to ex- access it by TV. For a lot of international audiences, especially in Europe, these games are going to be at like closer to like the end of the day and the early hours of the morning. So it's a very niche audience that would be looking for those games, especially if they're like the 8 p.m. kickoff for on sure. the Pacific Coast. Yeah. So, but that, that again hypotheticals yeah honestly all right guys think, let's let's try then just one more on this or whatever but like honestly i think what the the league does right now is great like put them put them on youtube put them on youtube and then like like it works um you could put them may- maybe in certain places whatever like you have them live on facebook youtube that works um and, but it's just like like you were saying like it's about the accessibility right and it's like you put all those like every mlr game is available on youtube like you can just go watch it whenever you want oh i was i was doing dishes and i was watching a a, a seawolf game from last year dude exactly or from a couple years ago exactly that's what you need i just like the league like whatever whatever they end up doing with the app will be cool but it's like keep the games on youtube like i mean we're talking about like twitch and stuff um, but I think I think they have the setup there. Like, just u- use YouTube, use Facebook. Like, because I I think that's like I mean maybe put them on Twitch as well. Maybe that's an option. I don't know how easy that mm-hmm. is, but like maybe yeah. that's an option. Maybe just add stuff, more social media platforms that you're on. A lot of people were watching the uh, the virtual stuff, like the yeah the, exactly yeah. pretty good numbers on that. So maybe that's a that's a venue to look at too, right? So, yeah. um, but yeah, I think. Uh, like just keep doing that or whatever and then hopefully use use the app to like supplement that make For it sure. a- add to the experience all right guys let's let's move on uh because we have some a couple more things before we finish up um and this has been something actually i've personally been wanting to talk about um ever since the announcement was made by the rfu that um the premiership will be scrapping relegation uh for i don't know if it's for the foreseeable future just for next season um but I personally think that this should be the, the future of European rugby. And, and my point is that I think rugby needs to look at some of the North American sports and how successful minor league leagues are. I mean, let's, let's take, let's take, you know, we're Canadians. Let's, let's go with hockey. Um, 
if the RFU was smart and got some of these championship clubs to form agreements with um, the Premier League, so you know uh, the Ealing, you know, you know Ealing forms a partnership with Bristol. You know, they officially become their minor league team where uh, members of the Bristol Bears Academy can go and play and train and get meaningful games in and and really get to hone their craft. And Ealing benefits by saying, hey, look, we've got the futures, future players of the Bristol Bears playing for our sport. You know, come and watch, uh, come and watch the future of Bristol here in Ealing. And you know, it, it minor league teams change a lot. It happens, you know, they just don't pull in as much money as the major league teams. But look at look at relationships like the Toronto Marlies, which is the AHL American Hockey League affiliate to the Toronto Maple Leafs. They have done a very good job, especially within the last 20 years, of really advertising that they are showing you the future Maple Leafs. And it is they do a very good job marketing that and they pull pretty good crowds. Um, using also some creative marketing like like kids like school days and stuff like that so they really took advantage of that another team that comes to mind is uh the syracuse uh, crunch which play in new york and they're the affiliate of the uh reigning stanley cup champions the tampa bay lightning now their benefit is on the ice you know syracuse is just pumps out nhl players for um, the Tampa Bay Lightning. And if you look at some rosters from some of the teams for Tampa Bay that either made Stanley Cups um, in the recent years or were part of the Stanley Cup final this year, um, a lot of them made a trip through Syracuse. And I think I think it, it solves two things, that you don't have to put all your money into an academy program. You can keep your academy program running, but also rely on your championship affiliate to train these guys and also keep put them in big game situations. Like what are guys on the bench? Like what's Will Kelly going to learn compared to if he plays a little bit level down than being on the bench with the arrows? You know, if the arrows had a minor league team, I'd rather him be a starting 10 in that minor league team. So he gets those big game experiences. But then who's the again, 10 for the arrows. You need you need two Sorry. on the team. <laughs> Sorry, did I say I, backup? I meant starting. Like he needs. Well, I think yeah, he should be starting ten. But you need that, those who, games. Who would be the other ten on the arrows then? Because you need you need two tens. Taylor Adams, Juan Cruz, Gonzalez. So you, could, that, you would just chuck you would just chuck them to to like minor if, rugby. Like if he was playing on like the Bristol Bears and and they had a minor league affiliate that was playing like championship level. Yeah, I would put them on Ealing. I would say, well, we're going to give you some big game experience. Go practice, you know, play big game experience. And when we think you're ready, look what, look what the, again, bringing it back to the Leafs. Look at what the Leafs are doing with Nick, Nick Robertson. He got an injury early in the season. They're now having him play in the Marlies, lighting it up, you know, get those big game experiences before you, you jump back in and, and, you know, get a big taste of the big leagues. Like I, I, I don't understand what relegation does that benefit the sport. Yeah, okay, so the teams sometimes get a little bit of hope by making it into the premiership. But most times they have not. They get knocked back down. And the only times that teams have really flourished are, like, from my own memory, and again, I'm not a, like, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but, like, Bristol was kind of a 
up and down team between the premiership and the championship. And now that they've pumped a bunch of money into the, into the team and signed some big, bigger players, you know, they are now on the up and up, you know, top of their league and, and Exeter is the same thing, but they also got those big players like Stuart hog to help boost their chances. So like to me, if you can solidify, yes, these clubs are going to be in the, the premiership. These clubs are going to be in the championship. Let's create a strong partnership between between the two leagues. Financially, I think it's a little bit more stable. Like you don't always have to worry about pumping a whole bunch of money in to make a run for for promotion. Yeah. So I, as the only European on the podcast, um, yeah, the whole promotion relegation issue has been a thorn in English rugby's side because it seems to have continued over from, you know, something like the Premier League, soccer in uh, in the UK as well, because you can throw a stone and you'll probably land it in a uh, soccer field in like, the UK somewhere. There's so many, there's so many ground shares as well. That's never going to be an issue. But obviously rugby has different uh, problems and you obviously can only do so much with what you have. Um, I agree. I think scrapping promotion and relegation will be something beneficial, uh, especially to like the England teams. Um, I think what should happen as well is that the money that the Premiership gets from the RFU should uh, be reduced, and that money should then go to like the Championship teams, especially especially coming from like a COVID situation where. Uh, teams are struggling now. They're struggling to pay their players, even though you could argue that championship teams are semi-pro at best. Um, and and that's the thing. Is in so the current um, Premier League structure or like team foundation is currently the twelve teams in the Premier League and Saracens, which leaves thirteen teams, which you know doesn't really work well when you're dividing it up but if say you know the next big money team which would be Ealing um, was able to show that they had a stadium that fit the requirements which is minimum of 10,000 seats um, they would have the money to prove that they could um, survive in the Premier League environment for at least five years then Premier uh, the Premiership may just say right we're going to ring fence at 14 teams we're going to you know copy france and just have 14 teams but we're then going to follow a model similar to the pro 14 where we have conferences so we're not draining our players and they're not playing 26 games uh during the regular season each year um because what i see is like a long-term issue for rugby in the northern hemisphere as a whole is that when not if when the money comes to MLR, these will be teams that will have um, salary caps far higher than they do now, where they can be able to, you know, sign marquee players for a million dollars, for example, but they'll only be playing a set number of games for basically half the regular yeah, ben, season. Ben Foden brought that up. Yeah. Like, he, like, when the money comes, like it's going to be such a desirable location because of the fact that you don't have to play as much damn rugby, and it's it's more appealing to national teams. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's and that's the thing as well. If you can lure, you know, young players who are, you know, in the academy structure, but they're not getting game time with their team of choice or the team that they've been in the academy with, and then you have someone from MLR go, oh, why don't you come over to the United States or Canada and you can play in one of our teams and if you sign like a four-year, five-year contract and then by the time you're, you know, 23, 24, you'll be playing for the United States or you'll be playing for Canada and you'll be making like more money than you would be in uh, your hometown. And now obviously um, the eligibility laws can change as we've known that they've gone from like three year eligibility to five years and, you know, they could change further. They could reduce. We'll see how that goes, but you know, there may be some very talented players that will come over, play, uh, do the preseason, do a full season and then still have time to recover to play in international games whilst the English and um, players will be, you know, pushed to their absolute limit. This is one of the big concerns with like the Lions tour happening this year is that players will go from playing in the Premier, the Premiership and like the Six Nations immediately into the Lions tour. And then they only get a month off before they have to go back into preseason for uh, the next season of the, the Premiership and more autumn internationals and so on and so forth. Um, so, by ring fencing and again it doesn't have to like stick at 14 if like the next two championship clubs for example are able to get good investors they can increase the uh, premiership to like 16 and so on and so forth it may actually address a problem before it becomes a disaster i just think like ultimately like if they wanted to ring fence it or and like with not having promotion really it involves like a complete like structural shift whatever like the minor league system in north america works because that's always been the system right yeah but they've also completely and also like i know like when you're using like you're saying like your example like the leafs and the marlies like the leafs and the marlies are owned by the same people like it's the same owners that's the same organization like that's not like apart like that's the same organization from top to bottom right yeah but syracuse and and tampa bay aren't no 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 there there is some different ones but there's a lot that are the same um but like i think that is like ultimately though like you have to like premiership like you would have to redraft like rules for like how guys can go up and down which the nhl like a league like the nhl and minor league baseball they have a lot of rules surrounding how you can bring a guy up how you can send a guy back down what happens if guys are hurt and you want to like tweak the rosters and stuff so you're gonna like do like the paper transactions to move them up and down um like there's a lot of rules and structure and stuff that have to go into doing that it's not like i don't think I, I don't think that like I, I don't think I'm under the illusion that that's not the case. Yeah, but I mean, are, are you? I want you to answer this question, Derek. Do you think relegation works for the RFU right now? Like, do you think it's it's the viable option for the future? I don't know if it's the viable option for the future. Like, I feel like it's one of those things where it's like I don't know if re- I don't. I do think you need something for the games at the bottom of the standings to make them interesting. 
or whatever. I think no. So okay. So something. someone, and I'll I'll have to send it to you. Someone wrote an article about about that because that's that was an argument people have made about it, and attendance does not go up, and relegation matches. They don't. They just they don't go up. People actually leave. Like I'm pretty sure Rugby Pass actually wrote an article about this. Yeah, that like that's... attendance doesn't go up. Yeah. But... Okay, so like if 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 attendance doesn't go, but does it go down? This is just yes, thing. yeah. That's what they're saying is that the attendance actually goes down. I'll have to try to look for the article. Yeah, that's fine. I just think like I think you kind of, but like I don't know. I think you, there's got to be like because I think like, but it's I guess what I'm trying to get is like at least in North America, like even though I don't think the draft is necessarily the best thing for like because I think like you know I remember being a Leaf fan when Austin Matthews was sitting there and you're kind of cheering for them to lose, um, which is kind of maybe the opposite of what you should be doing as a fan. Um, so I'm not sure if like the draft is like a draft or anything is necessarily right. I think like, I don't know. I think honestly, I think promotion. What was the thing is pro sports has uh, rugby has only been a pro sports since 1995. Yeah. That is the other like, thing. Like yeah. you're talking about things being set in stone. Well, it's only been set in stone since think- it's well, been. I'm older than pro rugby. Pro rugby, yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> like a lot, a lot can change. Uh, yeah, I think, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that needs to be changed for next season. I'm just saying that. I think. I think one. I think the RFU wants the Saracens back before they do this. Um, I think yeah. Gonna, that's gonna happen. Like, are they gonna risk the Saracens doing this, like cheating again and and being relegated? Yeah, but like, you know, the beauty thing is though, if there's no promotion and relegation, if you ask the Houston Astros, you don't get relegated for cheating <laughs> all right guys we're gonna move so, on because there we... you go so maybe that's maybe that's the reason like i think wait wait for the saracens to get <laughs> so there's consequences hey like well no like i don't think I oh mean, cheater we're gonna relegate you hey i'm just like <laughs> i think that can be a negative uh feedback loop put into place so it's like oh if you finish like bottom of the table you can sign you can like have an extension of the salary cap or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so there's like, there's more creative players. people than but, me know. that can figure out the the yeah. a, a bonus to but that's being bottom I mean. more than us. In more creative order, people yeah. than us. Yeah, but that's what I mean though. Like in order to do this, it's not For just sure. it's not as simple as just being like, hey, we're gonna stop relegation. It's like you gotta go look at your organized like the rule book for the Premiership and completely yeah, I hear you. write it because it's completely I, new. I stand by my I, point. I, no, I, think, I, I don't think, like, I mean, I'm a North American based sports fan. So I grew up with no promotion and relegation, like promotion and relegation is a foreign concept. And like outside of like, you know, until like outside of like watching rugby and soccer, like it's, and I, I think like even too, like I look at like, Hey, like uh, super rugby doesn't have promotion and relegation. relegation. It works. Yeah. I think yeah, it is just England and France that have yeah, promotion and relegation think, and of like the top flight teams. Or top flight leagues. Yeah, even. I think what it really comes down to, though, is it's like, like you said, Dennis, like when you go to like the minor league level and stuff, you need to make sure that those teams have a way of like sustaining themselves without having the resources that the major, quote unquote, major league or the top flight clubs are going to have. I mean, one of the biggest problems in North American minor leagues is like travel expenses. Well, yeah, travel and, expenses. And the, the, the ability to just go to, you know, local derbies and stuff like that in the in in the U in the in England is so much. The, the other thing too, though, is like you do get instances which I don't necessarily think works all the time, but like 
you know, like you get instances if you have that partnership and you like, because it's like there's minor league teams that'll sign agreements and be like four or five years. And then like, you know, it'll be like, okay, at the end of the, your partnership, it's like, well, now you have to change the name of your team or your colors because you linked it to the major league team or whatever, right? Like, I mean, it'll, it'll never happen, but even like in Toronto, right? Like we used to have like the Toronto Roadrunners as the Oilers affiliate, right? And it was like now but it's like then the Leafs bought them and they completely had to like change and stuff. And now they're, I mean, what's, what's worse around what's worse that the Ealing losing. I mean, Ealing's not uh, the best example because they're, they're richer, but what would you rather them change their names or not have money to be able to compete? No, you would rather have them. And probably to be honest, they probably don't have to change their names anyways. It's just an example. I I gotcha. But all right. I think there's a lot that it goes into that decision though for sure and like honestly i i have grown up with no promotion relegation but i don't think i don't think promotion not relegation is necessarily a bad thing um although dan i will say to your point of like the will kelly thing although i don't think will kelly would be sent down if there was a minor league rugby um but like i think at a certain point in maybe maybe it's gonna be five maybe it'll be 10 years the gap between like the top flight of men's club rugby in North America or the like U sports or American. Yeah, it'll be very rugby. different. It'll be too big. And at some point you're going to need that step in between. For sure. And it'll happen at some point that you will need that actual step too. But okay guys, well let's, let's finish with some silly hypotheticals after my hypothetical question. Our whole, our whole podcast is silly hypotheticals. Yeah. Um, as you can tell by my uh, my green screen, um, the outdoor games. W- this guy's bringing up curling, and we're staring at a hockey rink. Yeah, I know. So rug- rugby podcast. Then. Uh, but the outdoor games took place with some hits and some misses uh, in Lake Tahoe over the weekend. So I want to ask you guys, uh, and we're going to start with an MLR game. Where would you like to see an MLR game played? There's no monetary or political restrictions. Has been North America. And it cannot be in a state or province that has already hosted an MLR game or team. Stu, where would you want yes. your MLR game played? Also, I'm well, going to throw this in right now. Who's playing in it? You got to yeah, say who's playing it. You got to pick the, pick the two yep. teams. I'll go first. Well, if you guys are still yes. thinking about that's, this. I know that's fine. fine. I was just waiting for you guys. To okay. Um, yeah. No, I want to see a game in like the prairies. Like, and I'm not talking about like like a stadium. I'm talking about like in the middle of a golden wheat field. I want someone to mow a field. I want it to a pitch to be made, like almost like Field of Dreams. Build it and become. I'm just thinking about the the cinematic beauty of just seeing a rugby pitch in the middle of a golden wheat field. It's just so appealing to my brain. And I I had I had some doozies. I thought about like Lake Louise and like. But there's just something about just flat plains and like. Also, you can make up the Midwest, but I'm Canadian, so I'm gonna st- stick with Saskatchewan. And uh, I definitely would say uh, it would have to be like Toronto, Toronto versus uh, like Seattle. Like, get as many Canadians in there as possible. Play them in the in the prairies. That that's what I want. So, I think that as is shown from the. NHL outdoor game, uh, Lake Tahoe, is that you need great scenery to really sell these kind of locations. 
so my, I did a bit of research because my geography skills, as you know, isn't uh, quite that good. But um, this location isn't just in one state. It's technically in three states. <laughs> so, and I think that if you are going to um, have a game anywhere, politics and money aside, um, it needs to have rivers, it needs to have mountains, and maybe even be on the site of, you know, the largest uh, super volcano magma chamber in the world. <laughs> it's better known as Yellowstone National oh, Park, God. which so would have to... At time, we have to move a buffalo off of the field. <laughs> hey, hey, hey we'll, we'll have wolves to uh, take on those buffalo. And that would have to be... The home team would be Utah just because they're the nearest. And then I'd say the second nearest team would probably be Seattle as well. And you can just have a game, you know, you can have um, Old Faithful going off every time a try scores. Oh, God, the, the yeah, fullback, or, he's been melted. Oh, <laughs> but what a try. What a try. Dan Tarn making the call. I'm not saying you play in, like, <laughs> in the, the acidic lakes. I'm saying you play on a field that you know got its seats around it and barriers oh, and all that boy. stuff it's like the, the and scene you in go the dark that where the football field collapses as heinz ward scores a touchdown oh yeah basically yeah. it's just, just melted humans all right derek all right. What, what did you think of okay so i thought of one um and i thought of it before i saw your script that you were going to put in that it can't be in a state or province that a game's already been played um so I'm going to kind of cheat in a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to modify my initial thought. So as we mentioned earlier, bit of a bit of an airplane nerd. Um, and I was inspired by the new Toronto Arrows um, Senior Academy branding logo. So my game was going to be the Toronto Arrows versus the San Diego Legion. Because why not? It's the, uh, the championship game that we never got. So San Diego. So the Arrows are the team named after an airplane san diego is where top gun is so my initial plan was to have the arrows play the san diego legion at top gun put like the airplanes and stuff play like on the runway do all that but then dan threw a wrench no 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 no, no 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 this was Stu. okay i, I, I did not write I this, this okay who should i be angry at right now Stu, be mad at Stu. Stu had to throw a wrench in my plan so i'm going to modify this because international waters are technically not a province or state. So we're still going to Top Gun. <laughs> Arrows Legion, middle of the Pacific Ocean on an aircraft carrier. That's my you know, MLR uh, final. Honestly, uh, before I saw Stu's uh, rules, yeah. um, I want to do it at Billy Bishop Airport. Oh, that would be cool. That would be pretty cool, cool right? Like, like That would be cool. Very similar to your thought, arrows you know, lean yeah. into the airport kind of I thing. Like yeah. See, then this is Stu. What look what you did, Stu. My other thought actually that I was just like, just would be cool because it'd be like just for like the monuments and stuff. Um, I was gonna say Rooney Free Jacks Times Square. Just put the pitch in the middle of Times Square. Do that. That's really thinking no monetary political restrictions. Yeah, no, there. exactly. No, no. I said there's no restrictions. <laughs> Hypothet okay, hypothetical um, scenarios. Uh, bonus. Oh, I think you could probably pull off playing if you you can build a rugby pitch on an aircraft carrier in the middle of the ocean. Probably kicks kicks might be interesting. 
You have to like a thousand balls. Okay, bonus, bonus, guys. Uh, pick a venue for international test. Um, I said um, it's going to be a home and away. Uh, Canada versus the U.S. Uh, Parliament Hill Ooh. for Canada home game because I know they've done like like practices on Parliament Hill. Yeah, the and like there's pictures of like Justin Trudeau being lifted and stuff like that when he was like like an MP or something like that. Space to do it too. Like the Senators, I think we're like going to thinking about planning game. Yeah, do an outdoor game there. Yeah, and then and then the away would be like by like the Lincoln Memorial. Oh, just go to the Capitol on the Capitol Mall. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah. I dig so that. it'd be it'd be either it'd be Canada, the U.S., and then like do an exhibition Toronto versus Old Glory or something like that. Stupid. That'd be cool. Um. So. I was going through all these. So if my home game was going to be at Yellowstone National Park, okay. it would be the uh, away fixture would be at um, a national park in Canada because I'm doing San Diego versus you guys got the, whole uh, the Arrows. Yeah, exactly. Because I would choose two national parks and the second one would be Banff National Park. Yeah, that'd be cool. Which... which you know, you'd just stop playing and you just start looking around and just being like, I think there would be an issue is when you kick a conversion and it goes in the lake and then you have to spend, you know, half an hour <laughs> trying to get in and get it back. But yeah, it'll be worth it. Yeah. It'll be worth it. I think I think that was the one thing that is like, obviously like the NHL kind of did that because they don't have to worry about fans because fans can't attend yeah. games anyways. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like I think that was the, the best part about the Lake Tahoe games was just, you know, when the ice wasn't melting was just like being able to look at like the scenery behind it. It was amazing. And it's like, honestly, that game's worth it just for like the social media pictures that they have from it now. Um, So you got to go with that cool location. So my, I went to Europe for, uh, I'm going to Europe for my, uh, my test match here. The Vatican. Ooh, right country. Um, I guess not the The Vatican is a Vatican is its own country. Okay. Right general area then, I guess. Geographical area. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so my thought, we're going to go with uh, Six Nations, just because it makes more sense. So we're going to go Six Nations. You gotta, it's got to be big, though. So you got to either do it like the finale or like the opening match of the Six Nations. So I'm going to go with it, um, England visiting Italy in the Coliseum. Oh, I could see where this was going as soon as you said, "Oh, it's close." It's see, close. I was thinking about like like the like like the mountains. I was still no. thinking like like natural. No, no that's good. No. In the Coliseum, yeah. Let's do okay, it. last last little hypothetical, guys, before we end it. Uh, Luke Wilson uh, announced a partnership a picture with the Sea Wolves. Yeah. He, 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 he took a picture with some kit, jersey, and everyone has lost their minds and thinking he's actually signed. Guys, I'm. We are pretty, 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 pretty sure that he. Luke Wilson will not be playing uh, for the Seawolves. I think he's probably got a couple more years of NFL. I mean, he didn't play a lot, but I'm sure he could sign to a practice squad and make a, more money than he would with MLR. Absolute um, brilliant marketing, Seattle. Seattle. Oh, yeah. Well, We're talking about it. We're talking well, about it on our, our show. So, honestly, yeah. Seawolves are, are playing, playing like, like 3D chess. Dude, I feel like people were more hyped about the possibility that an NFL player was joining Major League Rugby than like Rob Shaw or whatever. And I don't know if it's just because like in North America, maybe like the NFL's got a little bit more recognition than yeah. um, you know, European rugby, even if it is a star like Rob Shaw or even guys like Nanu and stuff. Like mm-hmm. there was some like man, that that picture blew up. That was 
Yeah. So like, well done. See, yeah. It's marketing. Was- so my, my question to you is which non rugby athlete would you like to see play in MLR? And Derek actually threw this up on Twitter and, and he got a couple of responses, some yeah. interesting ones. Draymond green, um, actually a couple of basketball players, Draymond green from, from, uh, uh, air full of dirt. Here, I, I got my Twitter. I got my Twitter. All right. Um, here. I will say I've got, I've got two. Um, one is, uh, Michael Phelps. The guy's like six foot four, 200 pounds. Uh, throw him at the lock position. He is an absolute beast. Uh, it, you know, it seems that seems like a slam dunk to me. And this one is kind of is your next hypothetical match going to be underwater? No, he, dude, he's a beast on, on, on water, off water, near water, anywhere near the water. Like, he's just he's just giant. He's he's a huge specimen. The guy, like, has like advanced lungs you're not telling me in an 80 80 minute match that's not going to benefit your team um my my second athlete that i would love to play rugby not necessarily mlr but i would love to see serena williams play inside center that'd be cool she is again any position we talked we talked to the start of this episode about the goat like serena williams is actually the goat and and yeah, like I think she's got rugby, but just sport life and sports in general. Just in sports in general, and I think that she's got the the like spatial intelligence to play like a playmaking twelve, but she also just has the power to absolutely run you over and end your life. Like think Nanu, like Serena Williams is my it would be my Nanu on my on my you know U.S. women's national team. I like it. If I was a selector. Okay, so I, I also have two choices as well. Uh, one is more technical, and one is just sheer power. Uh, so, from a technical perspective, we're saying about crossover athletes. What kind of sport would benefit uh, a rugby environment? And I think there's been the case for that wrestling is um, what in the sense of like wrestling at the Olympics, so oh. freestyle or. I thought me and Stu were on the same Triple page. Triple H. <laughs> Triple H eight man. Oh, yeah, the pedigree. Uh, 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 I thought me and Stu uh, were on the wait, same wait, page. Wait, 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 wait. Let, let me explain, and then let me explain my other choice. So, the first choice would now. Nah, this is a shot in the dark, baby. Iranian wrestler Hassan Yazdani. He is the current reigning world champion in freestyle wrestling. He is eighty-six kilos at one point eight meters tall. That uh those stats what's that you in, know what's that in feet and in, in, in pounds well as the <laughs> what do you mean dan you don't know that you're uh, a country that uses the metrics oh you know, please, you're Canadian. We barely <laughs> we barely use it don't even give me that get out of here right, with that he, okay he is uh, i believe five foot eleven and oh. as for weight now this is he's 190 pounds okay so so five foot eleven 190 pounds you know um, definitely one of the backs, but obviously, you know, maybe an inside center because of his uh, uh, ability to tackle from his wrestling experience and how to tackle correctly, I think would be a great benefit as well. Now, on the subject of wrestling, I would then choose someone who I could see as, you know, a Jamie Roberts style crash ball center. Like you give him the ball, let him run, and he'll demolish everyone in his wake. And that would be the current, he- the tribal chief. 
the head of the table, the WWE Universal Champion, Roman Reigns. I think give him a rugby ball and he will demolish anyone in his path. He's probably definitely held a rugby ball just because of his heritage at one point or another. Honestly, I stopped watching rug, uh, wrestling a long time ago, but Roman Reigns is one guy I definitely know, and he is an absolute beast. And he is six foot three and 280 pounds. Or 191 centimeters and 130 kilos. Also, former member of the Edmonton Football Club. Oh my gosh. Um, okay, so before I do mine, I'm kind of on the same page as Stu. He saved it. He saved it with naming a wrestler that I've heard of. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, I just wanted, before I go into it, I just, because a lot of people responded to my tweet. So I just figured there's a couple really cool ones on here. So obviously, like Gronk came up a few times, Brady came up, DK Metcalf came up. Oh, um, yeah. He would be an unreal. Yeah. A lot of tight ends, like Travis Kelsey and stuff, came up too. Um, we, got a i like this one um thomas billsborough sent me lewis hamilton i would love to see how that translates oh yeah i would love to see how f1 drivers (laughs) translate to rugby um i don't pay you know we'll see how he does i would love he he should be able to handle the tackles because drivers have to be put through so many g-forces that'll be just like oh another trip in the park oh no not a problem whatsoever when I was on the Earful of Dirt podcast a couple of weeks ago, we kind of talked about Gronk and uh, if he would be like, would you invite him to Eagles camp? And basically, like what it came down to is like 100% because it's worth marketing it alone. Yeah, He could be the worst rugby player ever, but it's worth it for the marketing. And I'm kind of like, my, my couple thoughts were kind of in that line of one... Um, Joe Harvey actually came up with like the, one of the first replies to it. And I completely agree with him. LeBron James, um, who's obviously just probably one of like the best, pure, most athletic human beings to ever walk, walk the earth. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, he, he played some football and stuff in high school. So you got that, like the, and obviously, like, I mean, the skill set's probably there. Like, I mean, catch a rugby, if you can catch a basketball, you can probably catch a rugby ball. Um, also, he's just absolute massive. You could probably put him anywhere on the pitch. Um, so I think that would be great. I thought that was my first thought when I even posed the question was just LeBron because of his actual athletic ability and like the marketability of him. And then more replies later. And I'm sorry, I'm just going to completely steal this answer because it's the absolute right answer to this question. Um, so Ed McComer, um, at Ed McComer 52, he responded with, the rock so roman reigns oh, well, I, I, I the the rock is 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 a good answer i just feel yeah. like that's just it's he's been like put in so many starting 15 lists dude but that's why that's why you, yeah okay, he, so he yeah he could again he could suck he doesn't have to be good at rugby i don't care he gets to make all the promos i just i would love to just hear the rock <laughs> pregame hey uh hey you're going up against like i don't know ben foden and just have him like rip Ben Foden for like yeah, fifteen minutes. For that sure, would be, I would. Yeah, I would be down for that. Um, I want to see Major League Rugby players on ballers. Um, just, <laughs> we can like we can do that. Young Rock, let's put yeah, let's young, put. Uh, yeah, exactly. Let's get some guys in Young Rock. A Cole Keith on Young Rock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's let's do that. 
um all like the marketing let's get, get someone uh get someone in jumanji put uh sam windsor can be in jumanji um like then <laughs> i'm assuming kevin they're making Hart. more jumanji movies uh, kevin hart starting scrum half for yeah, exactly. <laughs> some, yeah put some guys in fast and the fear vin diesel can like beat somebody in a race i don't know put like all right anyway so that's what for like the marketing thing plus i mean maybe he can actually hit somebody at some point i don't know um my only other thought on this and i kind of i admittedly had to like google it so it's like it's maybe not the best suggestion um but the reigning like 100 meter dash champion right now is christian coleman um who he won like the last like world championships he however is currently suspended for a couple of years for failing to come like failing to attend drug tests um so take with that with what you will um but it's not so much christian coleman to, to me but it was just like man it would kind of be interesting to be like who's the fastest guy in the world and throw him on a rugby pitch like the actual just speaking the- of speaking of uh yeah. thoughts go out to perry baker uh I completely forgot about that until you mentioned that, you know, horrible, horrible injury. Hopefully I don't know what a broken leg or broken ankle, whatever happened with him uh, takes to recover. Hopefully he can recover in time for the Olympics, man. Yeah. That was, that's hard to, those are, yeah. That's Um, um, I saw also someone else mention a guy like Perry Baker is kind of why I'm like, yeah, just let's go. Like, I mean, so like Christian Coleman, Andre DeGrasse, like, Justin Gatlin, like some, someone, like even Usain Bolt, if he's still like, you know, active, kicking around, willing to do it, like just give me the fastest guy you can find. My buddy, someone that I work with, uh, mentioned like Connor McDavid, fullback or wing. The dude's got the wheels, and he's also a little bit thicker. Like that's the thing with like sprinters is like, I'm always worried that they're gonna be. Some of them aren't the big, but they're like they're not the biggest, but like over 200 pounds. Like yeah, barely, but he was like he, he could do it. Andre DeGrasse, I think, is kind of small, might not work or whatever. But he's he's short. But I think with Connor McDavid, he's got the wheels, and and he's just got the size. He's not he is not marketable at all. As hard as Rogers is trying to push him, that was even the thing. It's like I know that's all another problem. Someone responded with like Mike Trout, which I'm like, yeah, probably best baseball player in the world. But like, who knows how many people know who Mike Trout is that aren't baseball fans, right? Like it's, um, yeah. baseball's got a market right. or whatever for themselves. But um, I just think the idea of having the fastest men in the world and just be like, if you can run fast, you could probably run fast with a rugby ball in your hand. So stick them on the wing, see what happens. Might be fun. For sure. Other than that, though, the rock. You can people's elbow somebody during the game. It'd be great. No, we don't need to get him carded. That's a lot. That's an expensive no. red card. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we're gonna we're gonna finish up there. Um, if you guys want to, uh, you folks listening want to um, hear more of our episodes, go to LaRouge Rugby on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. We have all of our links to our previous episodes. Um, and make sure that you leave a little comment. Let us know how you felt about the latest episode or previous episodes or just how you what you want to see in the future because we're always looking for for new content new suggestions um email us at lurusrugby at gmail.com and you know maybe we'll get back to you gentlemen thank you very much that was a fun episode and hopefully in the next couple weeks we will have more news to sit and chat about